she hugged me, then left. Whoa! How did it feel? Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be revisiting the whole reckless love of God debate. Now, I, I posted a comment in the God is Open site, and it said says this. It feels like the same people who insist that God cannot have reckless love are the same type to insist that God did not value the salvation of humanity over the life of his own son. You know, this is the type of language that we get from like Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is the Todd White argument. Uh, we watched that Todd White clip in which he says that you only give up something uh, to gain more value in return. You, you don't do a trade in which you have a negative negative. Uh, a cumulative value from that trade. You don't take trades at a loss. Uh, you would if you're reckless. And so that, that's the question here, because remember, Todd White was uh, soundly criticized by all the Calvinists coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, this guy's a lunatic. He, he's just, uh, he's just a, a terrible guy. He's, he's saying that uh, God valued the world over the life of his son. Oh, that's just awful. Remember, like uh, people like uh, James White in debates when uh, uh, open theists want to say, "Hey, did God predestine rape?" James White will always be like, "Ah, let me tell you. Uh, let's not talk about rape. Let's talk about um, something the, the far worst, the most heinous thing to ever happen: the crucifixion." So, in these people's minds, God is sacrificing Jesus, the most heinous thing imaginable, uh, and losing out on the trade. Because that, that's the worst thing imaginable that, that God is doing, and he's not gaining something of more value in return in, in their calculation. So that's what this is about. The, the whole disconnect in their theology is that they, they actually believe a situation in which God is doing a reckless trade, giving something of greater value to get something of less value, and they criticize people who say that God has reckless love. It's, it's one or the other. That sounds pretty reckless to me to do a trade at which you, you actually lose out. And so my, my original post had nothing to do with uh, me opining about what reckless love is or me opining about my views about reckless love, but it triggered people something awful. What happens in theology is people like to see God as, oh, stoic. Yeah, there's a Platonistic uh, holdover in which God is uh, cool. A calculating, a chess player, just uh, without passions, without uh, it, like a Spock creature from Star Trek, just uh, just just going through mechanically figuring out what to do in a very subdued fashion. But uh, entire books have been written on this. J uh, Jesse Morrell put out a book about God's passions that shows systematically throughout the Bible. God's passions are first and foremost, and, and they're primary. You, you read the Bible, and it's a passionate 
deity, a passionate God. God has passions. God has desires. Sometimes those passions, this is also triggers some open theists when sometimes how angry God is determines the level of punishment that the people get. And the counter argument is always philosophy. It's, it's always like, oh, um, yeah, if, if God is uh, doing that, then he's unrighteous because uh, it, to be really righteous, you should have the same punishment no matter your state of emotions. That, that's their argument. And I actually got some of that in response here. People taking into account God's righteousness. If, if God had reckless love, then apparently that violates God's righteousness in some way. Uh, Christopher writes that the God of Judaism isn't reckless, but he is emotional. So we will actually go through that. And I'm going to be pulling up a little bit later, probably the clearest example of reckless behavior in God's love that I could find within the Old Testament. Hint, it's in Ezekiel. And I would say it's pretty reckless. Just my own reading, uh, your opinion may vary. Your mileage may vary, but I, I would say that it's a fairly clear instance of God being reckless and his love being reckless. And having reckless love is not necessarily a bad thing. One, one guy pulls up the example of Romeo. Yeah, you know, who's Romeo? He's this very passionate individual who uh, thinks with his, his heart, uh, he loves this girl with all his essence, that he goes and sacrifices himself when he thinks he can't be with her anymore. It's this passionate double suicide. And of course, Shakespeare is, of, of course, a male, and he's writing this. He has these strong male passions and desires, and he's able to tap into something primal within mankind. Most men, not all men, I've met some sociopaths, but most men understand the love and the feelings that Romeo had for Juliet in that play. We can identify with Romeo. I don't know if vice versa is true. I don't know if all, all the women can identify with Juliet, but men definitely in general can identify with the passions and desires that uh, Romeo was feeling in those moments. And so that apparently is a critique of God. If God had reckless love, he'd be like Romeo. I don't see being like Romeo like a bad thing. So I don't, I don't think it's a real argument. But let's actually go to the song. There, there's, a, there's a guy who wrote the song Reckless Love. And uh, that's what triggered this whole debate. Everyone thinks this is the, the most terrible thing ever that uh, this guy's singing about God's reckless love. But let's just hear what he has to say about his thought process when he's going through making it. I think it's pretty revealing. It makes a lot of sense to me. So God's been kind to him. I know the biblical story behind it, but curious. Where were you? What happened that that song was birthed? Totally. Yeah, two things for me. Number one was the birth of my son. When I held my son for the first time, it, it changed every idea that I held of God. Wow. Uh, every idea that I thought of God. Oh, well, because my earthly father was there. That, that is actually pretty fantastic. Uh, he, he now knows what it's like to be a father, to have that love, that passion towards another being. There, there, was, a, there was a comment on Twitter once. It's like... Uh, women don't actually feel pain in childbirth. It's just, it's just uh, their their experience of loving someone else for the first time in their lives. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, you you have a baby, and there's just another little human being, and you give them all your passion, all your love, 
and all your desire goes into this little baby. Tiny, innocent, beautiful baby. And this is what he's writing about. This, this is what's inspiring this song. This, he must be this, right? And in a moment, it was like, oh my gosh, looked into his eyes and you know, they look like alien when they're little kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I don't think the eyes change size from when you're a baby to when you're older. And babies' eyes are a lot bigger in comparison to their heads. So they got that cute effect that people, like George Lucas, when he's making little aliens that to make people love them, that's what they do with the, those eyes. They make them, the avatar is a very good example of this type of emotional manipulation. Um, that awful movie, the James Cameron version. <laughs> but but I looked into his eyes and it was just like, oh my gosh, I, I have a, a capacity for love that I never thought I could have, ever. And so that, that was the first thing. Number two was our daughter, Lily. Um, she had a couple of health compl complications and we thought we lost her a couple of times. Yeah, and so the, the people who complain about God having reckless love, using that term in regards to to God, it makes you wonder if they've ever actually loved someone ever in their life. It just, I don't know, does, does anyone ever wonder? It's like, have you guys experienced love? Do you know what love is? And, you know, stop breathing and, it, you know, we freaked out like crazy. And in the middle of that, the question of is God good or is he not became very real in my heart. And I actually, I actually had to ask some, some difficult questions of God, like, where were you? So Warren McGrew has a similar experience. He said, says holding his newborn son in his arms was the greatest thing to happen in my spiritual growth. Yeah, we understand these, these, these metaphors, God being our father, we understand this relationship that it's trying to communicate to us, this father, son, or child, parent, uh, a protector, uh, someone who's deeply involved with us. And this is what I'm going to go point out in our example another one of these metaphors, husband-wife metaphor, later on. And I'll make the case that in some regards, sometimes in the Bible, God's love seems fairly reckless. Why did you let this happen? And in the middle of that, he spoke so much wow. into my life and, and into my wife as well. And, and those two things were kind of where, where it all came from. What gave you the peace during that trying? <sighs> Asking the honest questions. Yeah. You know, I, I look at David in the Psalms and I think a lot of people would balk at his language like, oh my gosh, how could you say that to God? Where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Those things. And um, I began to ask. Yeah, he, he's, 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 not, he's not wrong. If most of David's Psalms were made into actual songs, you'd have the modern day Christians complaining. Very much so. Uh, just get, do, doing that moral grandstanding. Oh, you said this wrong. And oh man, God's turning his face from us? No, he never turns our face. Look over here at this verse I have over here. That is wrong song. Throw that song out. It's the worst song ever. It's demeaning God. It's saying that God's God's not watching and protecting us. These types of things. You know, moral grandstanding busybodies. God, like, what the heck? You know, like, real questions. What is going on? Why is my daughter almost dying? Are you punishing me? Have I sinned? Have I done something wrong? And those were sort of the false paradigms that I held in my heart. Like, oh, I must have done something wrong, and now he's doing this to me. Yeah. And the truth of it is he used the whole thing to actually confirm to my heart his goodness, his kindness in the midst of all of it. I'd like to go back to Reckless Love and talk more about the album cover. Yeah. <laughs> because totally. I understand that totally. sort of 
introduces us to your life? Yeah, your yeah. So, so there was a single cover of mm -hmm. Reckless Love that came out with me looking like a goofball of a little boy, you know, <laughs> with spiky hair and just kind of a, a weird looking little guy. And, uh -huh. and then the record cover, mm -hmm. the full length comes mm -hmm. out and it's me holding my little boy about the same age. Mm -hmm. And like I, like I mentioned earlier, so much of it is looking at myself when I was a little boy and realizing that I wasn't really able to receive love in a real way until I had my own son. Yeah. And, and the phrase that the father kind of dropped into my heart was I, I had to become a father to learn how to be a son. Yeah, uh, so th this is this is w what spawned this song, this love between a child and father. And so let's let's actually look up some of the lyrics, and that'll explain more what this song's about. People have their own definitions of all these words, but you could just read read the song, you could understand what he's talking about. He says, "Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine." I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, and you give it away. Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And so we do have examples of that in the Bible. We're first going to turn to some some objections from people who really don't like this idea of reckless love. I got some anonymous comments that I'm going to talk through. Uh, one of them, this is in response to my whole valuation, you know, the Todd White valuation, God only people in general only take trades in which there's a net positive for for both parties that's that's what what the trade is everyone's gaining something in return god's not going to take an action with a net negative result to do so is going to be uh reckless and so um if if god is being reckless that this is that that's the whole point of my post but people zoned in they, they zoomed in on the idea of, oh, how can you say God's love is reckless? And so this guy says this, it's an entirely horrible and wrong way to frame the argument. What? That it's, I, I'm not framing, I'm, I'm just, I'm exploring contradictions in certain individuals in, in how they, they frame their worldview. God didn't kill his son in favor of not killing you. I didn't talk about anything like this. Okay, I don't want to sound rude, but the ignorance and warped emotionalism and that is over the top. I just, uh, okay, I, I might I might be reading the wrong post. Maybe he responding to someone entirely different than me. I'd venture to guess you don't really believe that. As far as reckless love goes, what the heck? He didn't use, he didn't use heck. He used the double uh, hockey sticks. Uh, what the heck is that? Irresponsible? Random? Not counting the consequences? Come on. What is this about? And so there, there's actually good definitions of reckless, and I posted one somewhere. I don't know if I could grab it offhand, but basically doing something without necessarily thinking through all the consequences and uh, having unintentional results that might even make you regret the things that you did. R reckless, uh, where, where there's high probability of not paying off. So that, that would be my understanding of reckless. If you're taking actions they have high probability of not succeeding, and uh, you're, you're really invested into these actions, that, that is reckless. So like uh, betting your life savings on on a 100-sided hundred, dice rolling uh, 62, you know, that's probably not a good idea. That's extremely reckless. So let's, let's look at this next comment. God's love is not reckless, 
All that is required is a dictionary to see that the title of the song is stupid and unbiblical. All you need is a dictionary, then you'll see that the song is in fact stupid and also unbiblical. The dictionary will lead you right there. The Bible's very clear about this, that God's love is not reckless. Well, re reckless is evaluation. And so I don't think the, the Bible is going to be... You know, the Bible could give examples and then we could we could examine to see if those examples are reckless or not. But there's not going to be a verse out there that says God's love is never reckless ever. <laughs> it's, I just don't think it exists there. He says, I cannot believe this is even debated by Christians. Oh, appeal to incredulity. It's like, oh, this, this, oh, who is debating this? Oh, so mad. God's love was sacrificial, pure, holy, and wonderful. Reckless it is not. Oh, okay, if you say so. Show me the idea of recklessness in 1 Corinthians 13. Go ahead. He's like, eh, I got a proof text here. Show me what you... Uh, my my verse, my, my opening post wasn't even about me saying God's love is reckless. And he's like, and he's sitting there demanding that I show him that God's love is reckless from his specific proof text. Okay. All right. Um, this is what I get. This this is what happens when you post online. Uh, same guy. He writes in a different comment. He's, I think the song has nothing to do with the scenario you're alluding to with Moses. Because I asked him the question. It's like, um, how about if somebody talks to God and God wants to do something and that, that person explains the ramifications to God and God repents of those, what, what he said he is going to do, it doesn't do it because of the ramifications that are presented to him. Was God being originally reckless? That was just my question. And so he took that, my hypothetical, as a parallel to Exodus 32. He's got his thinking cap on. And so he's trying to preemptively attack that. So all we have to do is look at 1 Corinthians 13. Oh, okay. Uh, skipping forward. That was Moses' line of argumentation, whether correct or not. God granted his appeal, but God... Okay, skip forward. Forbearance is something that God demonstrates regularly. But when he decides to judge, who could question his righteousness in so doing? So there's the appeal to righteousness. If God's love is reckless, then apparently God's righteousness is on stake. It's on the chopping block. If God has reckless love, his righteousness could go out the window straight in the trash. And this, it's not only this guy. There's other people who are claiming that this violates God's righteousness. Uh, another example from my prior conversation years ago where the guy says that if God has different standards based on his emotional state at whatever time, then that's unrighteousness. That's what he equivocates in his head with the unrighteousness, God having different standards based on God's disposition at those that time. But I don't think so. I don't buy any of those arguments. I don't think that if, uh, if I, my kid needs punishment and I punish him harsher in the moment than if I would wait a week to punish him, I don't think that one action is righteous and one's not. They're, they're just two different responses to stimuli. All right. So he says, I'm an anti-Calvinistic person, but of course, uh, arguing this is terrible. Christians should argue this. Basically, I don't think the song is defensible. <laughs> I don't think you should have said the things to Greg that you did, because Greg, Greg was just hallucinating. Uh, random guy. But so let's actually turn to an example of where I think God's recklessness is displayed within the Bible. So God's taking actions that I would not have taken if I were God in God's position. And I sure hope that you guys wouldn't take those actions either. 
So we're going to unshare this screen here. Uh, they make this hard to switch between uh, what you want to do ever. And uh, we have here, oh, what's this? Ezekiel 16, 1. Lord's Faithless Bride. Maybe you might understand where I'm going here. So Ezekiel 16.1 has been described by Calvinists as like one of the open theism's biggest problems. So I got a trilobog pulled up on the God is Open site, and he writes this about Ezekiel 16. He says, given open theist hermeneutics, the God who emerges from Ezekiel 16 is a terrifying God. So just note that terrifying and terrifying in a particular respect. He lacks emotional self-control. He loses his cool. He lashes out in fury, a God with a short fuse. So this is a Calvinist using open theist hermeneutics to describe what's actually happening in Ezekiel 16. It's like a mafia Don who adopts a daughter of his late brother. He raises her with great affection and kindness, but this ward betrays his love and his love turns to hate. He becomes vindictive. He's wonderful to you as long as you don't cross him, but if you get on his wrong side, he feels betrayed. Then you will find yourself on the receiving end of omni, omnipotent, omnipotent rage. And so that's the Calvinist evaluation of what's happening in Ezekiel 16. So we'll just take a look. What is happening? The Lord's faithless bride. Now, when I say God's being reckless here, um, how many chances do you give your wife? If your wife ever cheats on you, do you forgive her? Now, me, I would say no. Your wife cheats on you. That was her one chance. I'd never go back. I wouldn't do it. Um, the biblical examples, that the biblical rules typically are you, you leave a faithless wife in the dust. You don't go back to her. You certainly don't remarry her. That, that, those are the rules. But Ezekiel 16 turns this on its head in which God has a faithless bride. You see his passions play out, and then he offers her a reconciliation. Again, not something I would do if I was in the same situation. He says, again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and, and say, thus says the Lord to God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. That's an insult. Your father is an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. It's like you're kind of like a bastard child. You're like this dirty thing, whatever. And guess who comes and cleans you up? I do. As for your birth, on that day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you. It's like you got you guys were just dirt. On the day you were born, your uh, <laughs> no, I pitied you to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you. But you were cast out in the open field, for you were abhorred on that day that you were born. And when I passed by you, I, and saw your wallowing in your blood, I said to you, in your blood, live. And I said to you, in your blood, live. So he comes and picks up Israel out of what seems to be an ancient abortion. They're, the mother and father are aborting their child, their unwanted child. And he stops by and then he takes this child under his wing raises her and makes her beautiful your mother was a hamster david writes so yeah 
Um, he says, I passed by, saw you again, behold your age for love. I spread the cord of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made a vow for you, entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. That imagery uh, is reminiscent of in Ruth, in which uh, Ruth actually has the garment covered over her during the harvest festival, which I think it's a euphemism for sexual relations, basically. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you. I have adorned you. I put rings on your nose. You're adorned with gold and silver. Just kind of skipping through this. Your renown went forth, but you trusted your beauty and played the whore because of your renown and lavished your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. So this is just not like a single thing. It's not like just being carried away by a charismatic dude. It's any passerby, any guy walking by, there's there's a there's a hookup going on there. You took some of your garments and made for yourself colorful shines, and on them placed played the whore like has never been or nor ever shall be. So this is like the worst of the worst cheating going on here. Uh, scrolling down, took your sons of daughters who you born to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whorings so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as offering by fire to them? Israel's been burning their children. And all your abominations and your whorings, you did not remember the days of your youth when you were naked and bare, wallowing in your blood. He says, there's no gratitude here. I raised you up from nothing. Uh, you're whoring yourself out. You're killing my children. And guess what? You, you, you don't remember this. All the things I did for you says, after all your wickedness, what do you, declares the Lord God. You built yourself vaulted chamber, scrolling down. You played the whore with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, scrolling down. Multiplied your whore. A lot of whoring going on here. Quite, quite a lot of whoring going on here. This is a very, this, this maybe might not be the chapter to read your kids as a bedtime story. Like if you're picking Bible stories out of the Bible, <laughs> uh, don't do this one. He says, uh, adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. There's a lot of verses. This is this seems to be a pretty solid con uh, concept going on here. Oh, prostitute, hear the word of the Lord. Because your lust was poured out and your nakedness uncovered in your whorings and with your lovers and with all your abominable idols and because the blood of your children that you gave to them, therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, all those you loved, and all those you hated, I will gather them against you from every side and uncover your nakedness to them, that they may see all your nakedness. And so we move God from God describing the situation in which he birthed Israel in love. Uh, he, he, he raised her up and gave her things, uh, was very affectionate. And then she started her whoredom, which turned God's love into vindictiveness. Now, this is a vindictiveness that is being fueled by love and jealousy, right? Uh, that a jealous husband is a good thing. And so God's jealousy is being uh, triggered here, and he's going to take vengeance on her for what she has done. And it's, it's, you, you don't do this to someone that you don't have a deep emotional bond with. To someone who hasn't hurt you on a deep level due to your bond. Says, I will judge you as women who commit adultery and shed blood and are judged and bring upon you the blood and wrath and jealousy. 
I will give you into their hands. They shall throw you down. Basically, they're going to do some really naughty stuff to her in a gang setting. That's really bad and probably don't read your kids this story. <laughs> it says, I will satisfy my wrath on you. Look at this emo emotional connection that God has to Israel. His wrath. He will satisfy his wrath. He will hurt her until he hurts no longer. And my jealousy shall depart from you. I will be calm and will no more be angry. I will hurt you until I stop hurting. Huh. Interesting. Because you have not remembered the days of your youth. You have enraged me. It not only, it's, it's, it's bad enough that she's doing this being married, but that the fact that he raised her up and gave her everything she has, made her beautiful, and she has no gratitude, that just makes it hurt all the more. God is a, a, the jilted lover going on here. Oh, man. Behold, everyone who uses Proverbs will use this proverb about you. Like mother, like daughter. You are the daughter of your mother. Remember, the parents are all Hittites and Amorites. Pretty terrible stuff. All right. It says, As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Saying, you are so terrible. You are worse than Sodom. And guess what happened to Sodom? God destroyed that entire city. Behold, the guilt of your sister Sodom, she and her daughters had pride, excessive food, prosperous east, but did not aid the poor and needy. They're haughty and did abominations before me, so I removed them when I saw them. Let's keep scrolling down. Oh, no. It says, was not the sister Sodom a byword in the mouth? <clears throat> uh, so Sodom's a byword. Guess what? Jerusalem is going to be a byword as well. Israel will be a byword. Oh, no. Oh, it's getting bad here, guys. So you will bear the penalty of your lewdness and your abomination, declares the Lord. Oh, but guess what? There's a sudden reversal in the end here. Remember, um, a normal husband, if they're subjected to this type of stuff, they would divorce their wife. They wouldn't go back to her. There wouldn't be forgiveness. There'd be a total dissolution. There'd be no more trust. Um, it, it's, it's not going to happen in a normal relationship, but God offers out his hand once again in the end. For thus says the Lord God, I will deal with you as you have done, you who have despised the oath and breaking the covenant. Yet, yet, there's a reversal here. This whole thing happened. Yet, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish you for an everlasting covenant. He's like, I'm going to return to you. We're going to, we're going to re-engage in this covenant here. Then you'll remember your ways and be ashamed when you take your sisters, both your elder and your younger, and give them to you as daughters, but not on account of the covenant with you. I'll establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded and never open your mouth again because of your shame when I atone for you for all that you have done, declares the Lord God. Oh, no. And so, let... Does, does this work out for God? Does this reconciliation um, endear him to, it, this is what he says. He says, you're, you're going to now remember this. Since I punished you like this, you're, you're going to internalize that in your memory. And, uh, you know, now you're going to just love me now because you understand the alternative. But does that happen? Does that work out? I don't think it does. I don't think it does work out. God, again, is jilted by Israel after these events, after his punishments, after it, this is this is the continued cycle of the the Bible that God forgives, God forgets. Sometimes God uh, repents for His own sake because He's tired of punishment 
And yet God returns again and again and again to his wicked, adulterous wife. Is, is that reckless love? It's, it sounds fairly reckless to me. I don't know. Does anyone have a counter case of why returning to a wife who's definitely going to cheat again, definitely going to hurt you and crush you, returning to her with high hopes that she's going to reform, why that's not reckless love? Is, is there anyone going to argue that this isn't love? That all the emotions, the emotional ups and downs that we experienced throughout this chapter is not God's intense burning love for Israel? Is anyone going to make that case? I don't think you can. So I, I do think throughout the Bible, God is very passionate. And when atheists come to the Bible and they read the Bible and they say, oh, God's passionate in the Bible and, and oh, he's such a bad God because blah, blah, blah. He, he's angry here. He killed these people over here. He seems like he's a jealous God. Yeah, yes, God is a jealous God within the Bible. All of that is, in fact, true. Um, I don't I don't care for how they evaluate. I, I don't think I think they're off base in 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 how they consider these things. They think jealousy is a bad thing. I don't think it is, but uh, they'll, they'll say these things to to uh, demean God. But they see it within the Bible. It, it's it's an ever present, ever present characteristic of God throughout the text, God's emotional states, God's God's temper in some places, God's God's passion in others, God sings over us in some passages, uh, God, God becomes angry, God becomes frustrated in others. And here God vindictively takes out his wrath and retribution until his pain subsides. He's going to hurt Israel until his pain goes away. And then he's going to reconcile with Israel, expecting Israel to reform. Doesn't happen. All right. So I, I do think that's fairly reckless. I think I got a good case. And if anyone wants to debate whether or not God within the Bible has ever had an example of reckless love, I definitely would take that debate because I think I could win that debate fairly easy. I think there's examples like this, and I think they're counterexamples. There's, they're going to just turn to a verse that says, oh, God's righteous, and then they'll make some sort of weird claim like, oh, God can't have reckless love because this verse says he's righteous. That doesn't make any sense. All right, so that's all I wanted to talk about tonight. So reckless love, God can have reckless love. We understand what it means to have reckless love. Being a male, we probably identify with the Romeo character within Shakespeare. There's there's some people who say that this was supposed to be a Shakespearean parody of uh, overzealous young lovers. I don't think that's what's going on in the story. I don't I don't think that's how Shakespeare wrote it to be like a comedy kind of mocking these people for being over exuberant. I think this is a common male condition, this type of love that we see displayed in the story. If there's men who haven't felt that type of love, I feel sorry for those men. They're missing out on a fundamental human experience of intense longing, desire, love, infatuation, fairly, fairly human experience. <laughs> Uh, David writes, I, okay, but I still hate all Christian music except for Randy Stonehill's Welcome to Paradise. I don't know. That sounds like a 80s song or something. I'll have to go look that song up. I don't know. it. But anyways, uh, in short, I think God might just have some reckless love somewhere sometimes within the Bible. Not that all his love is always, always reckless in all respects everywhere.
but I think we do got some fairly objective that we could classify as reckless acts of God within the Bible. Sleepy writes, his heart is beautiful. Yeah, when, when you read about God and who he is and his character, it is very beautiful. I, I can relate. The things he does, um, the, the changes of mind that he has, the emotions he feels, even his vengeance and wrath, it makes a lot of sense in context when you're reading it. God's strong sense of justice. The people in the modern world, they don't like a strong sense of justice. And so they just don't understand a God who will do vengeance, will have retribution, will have wrath, and, and does get satisfaction from that wrath playing out. God's wrath can be satisfied through experiencing the justice of the world. We, we read it here in Ezekiel 16. Christopher writes, can you imagine creating everyone and everything so you can be intimate and loving and having them all constantly spit on you and drag your words through the mud when your word is your son? Uh, I don't know if it cut off. He's going to write a second comment. But yeah, yeah, you, you feel sorry for God within the Bible, the things that mankind has done to him throughout history. Uh, you relate to him and you understand why it is he does what he does. He, he's a rational individual. Even his anger and wrath are rational. You, you can empathize and you can sympathize. You can put yourself in God's shoes. Anyways, we'll cut there for tonight. Um, but I just thought it would be nice to talk about God's reckless love and give a practical example that's, that's hard to counter, hard to dispute, that there's not something reckless going on in that context. All right. Thanks for watching. Comments, questions, put that down below or start a thread on the God is Open Facebook page. Just, just keep in mind, if you do start that thread on the God is Open Facebook page, you have all sorts of people attack you almost immediately saying God's love is not reckless because reasons.